And oftentimes what happens is that once you actually graduate with your PhD and you're a doctor then, uh, you have pretty much no idea what the real life is really about. And I think one of the reasons why internships are so popular and why Lido and other consortia are pushing to get the students to do the internship is just to get the sense of the real world. Welcome to the 60th episode of the Struggling Scientist podcast. We are a podcast by scientists, for scientists, anybody science adjacent, and perhaps even hobbyists. My name is Susanna, and I'm here with my co-host, Jerome. Hi. The topic for today's episode is internships. Odds are you've probably done one or multiple internships before even starting your PhD. But have you considered doing an internship during your PhD? Well, today we're talking with Dr. Christina Olichna, who has done an internship during her PhD as part of a consortium program, and is going to talk about the benefits of PhD internships with us. So let's start. Welcome, Christina. We're so happy to have you on our podcast today. Hi. Uh, hi. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to talk about something I have been considering a great addition to my PhD. <laughs> yes. Now, before we get started with our very interesting topic, we would love to know a little bit more about you. Could you introduce yourself to our listeners? Who are you? Where are you from? What is your expertise, maybe? And do you have any interesting hobbies? Hmm, interesting hobbies. Okay, I'll keep that to the, to the end. Uh, so my name is Christina. I am. Uh, I was born and raised in Slovakia, and then I moved to the UK, to London, uh, particularly for my studies. I did a biomedical science uh, bachelor degree at King's College London. I've greatly enjoyed the degree because it was very versatile in terms of we could have chosen a pretty much any subject and any module we could have done. And also it gave me an opportunity to work in industry for a year, which was a lot of fun because uh, I you know, had a chance to try out uh, what industry was really like and whether this would be something that I would want to um, continue doing uh, after my degree. Uh, after my bachelor's, I didn't do a master's. I entered a PhD program directly. I entered one that is, uh, you know, a combination of an MRS or like a master's degree with a PhD. We had rotations in our first year, which gave me an opportunity to kind of just taste, get a taste of different feel, uh, fields and uh, just have a very short project to try on uh, which one I want to continue in. And then I chose to continue in one that was working at a computational biology slash microscopy lab. Uh, and we were developing tools to um, for time-loss microscopy analysis and quantitative following of single-cell trajectories. Okay. Yeah. And what about your interesting hobbies? Yeah, interesting hobbies. Oh, that, that's what I forgot. Uh, so <laughs> for interesting hobbies, I think, I don't know if it's interesting, actually. I like long-distance running. This is something I can really uh, just, like, you know, chillax and uh, get some new thoughts. Uh, this was especially useful when I was writing my thesis, which really helped me to kind of phrase what I couldn't phrase for the entire day. And then uh, I guess I like to go dancing. I used to compete uh, for the university, but because of COVID, I kind of, like, um, yeah, lost touch with, uh, mm. with the dance club. And now I'm really trying to get back to it. <laughs> Very cool. Were these dance? So the, this was a uh, dance competition for your university then? Yeah, I used to go dancing for like, just like in, you know, a, like a salsa club and stuff mm -hmm. like that. The classes in, in my leisure time. And then it was too much fun. So I just decided to join the university club. And uh, we used to do some ballroom dancing and some Latin dancing as well. Not for ah, too cool. long, but it was a lot of fun to compete. <laughs> cool. Nice. I tried to get Jaren to do that too. It didn't work mm -hmm. out very well. <laughs> the long distance running works out better for me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So maybe getting into the, the topic of uh, the episode, uh, what made you decide to do an internship during your PhD? And can you tell us a little bit about that experience? Of course. Yeah, that's a great question. So um, as I said, I entered a, a PhD as a part of a like a master's and a PhD program. So I was a part of a consortium. The consortium's name is uh, called 
The consortium is called LIDO. It stands for London Interdisciplinary Doctoral Consortium. And as the name suggests, uh, is it's based in London. So it's scattered across uh, many London universities, including UCL, King's College, uh, Queen Mary, and so on and so on. Uh, and it's um, it has a very strong emphasis on the interdisciplinarity. So that is something that the, uh, LIDO is really pushing for. It's uh, trying to encourage the students from uh, pretty much any scientific background, whether it's biology, physics, mathematics, statistics, pretty much anything you can uh, you can name in the quantitative field. And it's trying to encourage the students to actually pick up a new subject, pick up something that can enhance your PhD from a different discipline. Like interdisciplinarity is a pretty common word these days. I think there is a lot of research movement to, towards pushing people to, um, uh, you know, just think outside of their of the box and step out of their comfort zone. So that's what Lido is really pushing. And so um, in the consortium, uh, the PhD was actually not an option for me. It was a compulsory step to take. So we had to do a three-month internship, which was uh, not limited in terms of what the internship topic was supposed to be about, but the only limitation that we had was that we couldn't continue working on our own project. So let's say that um, if you had an industry sponsor or if you had, I don't know, some um, two supervisors from two different labs, you couldn't do an internship in that different lab of a supervisor that's already involved in your thesis. So the point of the internship was to get some skills or enhance yourself in a in a field that is completely uh, kind of orthogonal to your thesis so this part of um of the of the training was not really supposed to contribute towards your thesis oh okay that's interesting uh, the only consortium internships that i've heard uh, about that somebody in our lab is doing was indeed more to just get skills to continue your own phd thesis but then in the end that doesn't teach you as much outside of your own topic of course mm. Um, yeah. What do you think are the potential benefits of doing an internship during your PhD? Um, great question again. I think there's uh, there's many layers to the benefits that you can actually get. So uh, even though Lido is trying to get the students to step out of their comfort zone and learn something new, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to learn something that you're not comfortable with. Let's mm -hmm. say that um, if you want to enhance your image analysis skills, I am an image analyst, so this is something very relevant for me. You you don't have to forget about your field of study or about mm. your, your the topic of your thesis. You can just find a, an internship that actually will give you different skill set in terms of image analysis somewhere else. It can be in industry, it can be in academia, it can be for a small startup, it can be pretty much anywhere where you can think. So it doesn't necessarily uh, have to be, uh, you don't have to lose touch with the topic of your thesis. On the other hand, if you're a bit more adventurous, I am not one of those people, but I know a few people who've done this, uh, they actually wanted the break from their PhD. They wanted to stop thinking about, you know, the daily struggles and the day-to-day -day life of what they have to go through when they were working on their thesis. And they used the opportunity of the three months to actually just um, gain a new skill from a completely different world. They went to work, uh, you know, with a podcaster at BBC, or they went, became a yoga instructor for three months, or they just did something completely different, which was uh, really not, you know, how do I put it, uh, which was not mm, tangled with the topic of the thesis. Mm. It can just because you're doing an internship uh, doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be academic, or you don't have to actually work in research at all. Yes, okay. but you can also use the opportunity to go to company or industry or get a bit more feel for that. That's also really cool. Absolutely. And that's what I've done. So for my internship, I jo joined an image analysis team. Uh, this was not an academic lab anymore. This was an industry. I worked 
uh, at the Microsoft Research in Cambridge. And uh, I like to say that I worked on a project which was absolutely uh, different, but completely the same, because it was still an image analysis domain, but it was on a different project. So it was not directly applicable to my thesis, but it still gave me a lot of new skills and a lot of new insight of how image analysis is done beyond my project. Yeah, I can imagine that also being really useful to decide if industry is the next step for you or if you want to do a postdoc or anything like that. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a good, that's a great point because I feel like um, when you're doing a PhD and you're doing it for, an, you know, for a long time, usually it's like three to four years, maybe sometimes even more if you get an extension or if you're lucky to um, continue working on the project. Uh, what often happens is that your project and your thesis becomes your entire world. And mm. it's your your little baby that you have to, you know, uh, make sure that it, it it grows and you have to make sure that you kind of uh, navigate in the right direction. And oftentimes what happens is that once you actually graduate with your PhD and you're a doctor, then uh, you have pretty much no idea what the real life is really about. And I think one of the reasons why internships are so popular and why Lido and other consortia are pushing to get the students to do the internship is just to get the sense of the real world. And I don't mean this in, in any, any bad way, but um, it's very useful to actually just have the experience to interview for a job, to be able to do a coding interview, to maybe be able to even see what sort of opportunities are out there and how do you write this competitive CV or cover letter to actually apply for that. So even before you start doing your internship, I feel like there's a lot of skills that you can gain just from the application process and how to navigate it. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. I mean, you definitely said some things that uh, we definitely want to circle back to uh, at some point during this episode as well. But I definitely want to get into more about your your uh, internship experience as well as. Um, uh, so when exactly did you do your internship during your PhD? And when would you think is sort of when would you advise other people to do the internship during their PhD? At what phase of their PhD? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. I think it really depends for some people. Um, so, okay, so let me just wrap up on the rules of uh, which uh, our consortium mm. did, uh, did give us. So I was in a four-year program and the rule of thumb was that uh, your first year is spent uh, doing the rotation pro- projects and trying to decide and figure out what you want to do next. And the fourth year, for obvious reasons, is spent, uh, you know, stressing out and writing your thesis. That's pretty much what the four year, fourth year is about. So uh, the rule of thumb is that you're supposed to do your thesis uh, in your second or in your third year. Now, when you choose to do it, it's completely up to you. Sometimes it's not, um, you're not the only person who decides. For example, if you join a big company, they usually have these cohorts um, that, you know, and they tell you the preferred date of starting, or maybe your team is not available, or maybe, I don't know, it's preferable for you to do it in autumn because there's more people around uh, compared to the summer when a lot of people take vacation and things like that. So it might not be completely up to you. It really depends. Um, But I would say uh, there is two streams of thought here. Some people really like to do the internship early just because it helps them to do, like start thinking about what they want to do next in terms of their thesis. If it's related to the field, to their field of expertise, it can actually be, be a great push because um, they can establish an industrial collaboration and it can, doesn't have to terminate at the end of the internship. It can actually continue and you can hmm. start developing like a more collaborative project with an industrial partner, which is absolutely amazing. So that's a benefit of doing it, doing it a little bit earlier. And I think the other uh, sort of, um, well, three streams of thought now that I think about it. The uh, second group, I would say, uh, they like to do it after their upgrade. I don't know how it's actually the upgrade sort of phenomenon, how it's called in your countries, but um, 
for in the UK, upgrade is the moment when you actually write the mini thesis, you get examined on it. It's like a mini viva or sort of mini sort of oral examination and you proceed towards like a proper PhD, if that makes any sense. So, oh. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so a lot of people like to do it um, at that point because the, the upgrade is actually quite stressful. You know, you have to write a lot for it and, you know, it's obviously like a lot of stress. So they just like to take the steam out and, you know, just like the uh, start thinking about other things right after the upgrade. And the final group, uh, which I think was pretty much where I would put myself, is people who like to push the internship towards the end of uh, the third year. And the reason um, often, you know, it can be a strategy, but it doesn't have to be. Maybe they just weren't successful to get the internship earlier. For me, the reason was that I believe that if I... Um, do an internship as late as possible, I will establish a, um, an, an industrial contact, which could be potentially useful for when mm. I'm finding a job. So after the PhD. And yeah. this, you know, is very useful for a lot of people. I know that there has have been a lot of people in my cohort and in the consortium who have, uh, you know, done an internship with maybe a year from uh, graduating, and then they started and continued in that company for a full-time job. So that's also a, like something that people consider when they're applying. Maybe just a question about the upgrade, though. So if you don't succeed in that, are you not able to do your PhD anymore then? That's a good question. I I do not know. I think if you do not succeed in the upgrade, you would have to redo it. As in, it's mm-hmm. not like an all or nothing sort of exam. Okay. I think you have to monitor your progress, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. It's like, okay, if there is some sort of red flags at that stage, they need mm-hmm. to be addressed. Because if they're not addressed at that time, they will just escalate. Uh, whereas, yeah, I don't, th- I don't think it's like a definitive sort of thing where people just say, okay, well, you're not good enough. You shouldn't mm. do uh, a PhD anymore. It's just, it's just like, um, a precaution, I would yeah. say. Okay. Yeah. Then it's quite similar, at least not necessarily in the, the sort of exam sense, but like in mm-hmm. our Institute as well, we have at least an interim analysis where another supervisor also comes in sort of an external supervisor to check out. If if everything is going according to plan, what are your projects? Do you look like? Does it look like you're you're going to manage to finish your PhD, as it were? Exactly, uh, exactly. I think that's really the point uh, here. So you said it's called the interim exam. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, it's it, not really an official exam type no. of thing. It's uh, I don't think I think in the US you also have after your first year you have to do um, sort of a, a whole write up something to be approved for the rest of the of the PhD. Don't mm-hmm. think we have anything that similar to it. I see. I see. Yeah, I, I think it really defa- the first, um, comp- you know, comparing the countries of the different rules yeah. and different consortia and different programs, they have different uh, different rules that apply to them yes. too. <laughs> Might be interesting for our PhDs around the World Series that we're going to set up soon. Yeah. <laughs> we are very excited to be able to introduce you to our new sponsor, Jenny AI. Not only does Jenny make our podcast possible, it also makes our life as scientists so much easier. Jenny is an all-in-one writing assistant that has everything that we have been missing in other AI tools. Yes, first off, unlike other AI tools, it actually finds accurate information in papers and cites its sources. It does not make things up and only uses real verified information that you can then also check the source of. Second, it's a writing assistant trained for academic papers and helps you write your paper by suggesting the next sentence or the end of your sentence. Or, if you get really stuck, you can ask it to write an entire paragraph, completely removing the writer's block I so often struggle with when I don't know the right words to make my point. It helped me write an introduction to a paper I've been struggling with in half an hour. 
It even suggests which papers to cite. You can add your own library or search the entire internet for papers. Just type the add symbol to easily add a reference and it gets automatically added to the reference list. And the last thing we absolutely love is that it has an AI chatbot that can see your document and give feedback on how to improve your manuscript. Or you can ask it questions, such as what are the potential therapeutic benefits of dot dot dot, and it will search through the papers for you for the answer. I can only say that my stress level has gone down significantly since I started using Jenny. Check out the free version now at thestrugglingscientist.com slash Jenny. And if you love it, use the code SCIENCE20 for a 20% discount. Okay. Um, now, in consortiums, as you also did it, uh, internships are sometimes mandatory, not always. Why do you think consortiums find this so important for, from um, their perspective, basically? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a good question. I think, um, and I briefly touched upon this already, I think uh, one of the reasons why consortia are believe that this is an important skill to develop is because at the end of the PhD, every single person is going to apply for some sort of jobs, whether the job is an in industry, whether the job is, uh, you know, to uh, found a startup, whether the job is to apply for a postdoc, it's some sort of a job application. And I think it really helps to have some practice uh, to, you know, go through the painful process of drafting your CV and just figuring out what you want to do after you finish your PhD, when you can practice this during your PhD. So I think for consortia is also, the reason is that um, there is this, I don't really know the statistics as in to the um, exact percentages, but uh, there is a certain amount of PhD students, but maybe there is like a half half amount of positions for the postdocs. So um, what that means is that effectively, and just by definition, not every single PhD student will end up in a postdoc after their PhD. Yeah, and for, sure. for obvious reasons, maybe there's not enough positions. And for some PhD, for some PhD students, they're pretty sure that postdoc is not what they want to do after. So they will have to start applying to industrial jobs um, naturally. So I think what really helps is having some practice. I think it also has a, um, kind of it makes you stand out during the application process when you have an internship during your PhD on your CV because it effectively shows your potential employer that you're able to go through the process, you're able to integrate with a new team, you're able to learn new skills in a relatively short time. And hopefully you would have some output that, I don't know, could be ranging from a small research paper to like a workshop presentation or something like that. You have a tangible product from your internship that you can market uh, as part of your your CV and as part of your portfolio. So I think um, doing an internship, even though the three months to some people may seem like a waste of time. Uh, I think it's really just an addition to your CV, even if the PhD internship doesn't go really well, because mm-hmm. you can get the skills that you probably wouldn't get if you didn't even try. Yeah. For sure. So maybe going outside of the consortium setting now, uh, a lot of PhDers, including myself, for example, uh, who are not part of the consortium, don't really, never really had the opportunity to do uh, an internship during our PhD. Do you have any tips or suggestions for how a PhD student can bring sort of this subject up with their supervisor to discuss a potential of doing uh, an internship? And do you think mm-hmm. they would be enthusiastic about it? Yeah, that's a good question. And I think a sensitive one as well, because um, it's it's one of those topics where you communication is key here. I think what is very critical is to bring this to your potential uh, to your supervisors uh, earlier rather than later, because sometimes it may be a bit too late when you already have an offer from a company which you really wanted to join, but your supervisor just says no for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. So I, I would say communication is key here. 
And I would also say that you can approach this from like two perspectives as well. Like um, the first one would be to just search for potential internships, maybe get in touch with the recruitment team and just figure out whether you have the skill set that they would need in the company or pretty much anywhere you're applying. And then tell your supervisor like, hey, I shortlisted these companies. They're willing to take me on. Um, would you be OK with that? The other approach, and I would probably favor this one uh, over the first one, is that you just say, uh, you just have a conversation with your supervisor, like, hey, I think a three month internship would really help me out. I don't have a concrete plan, but I would really want to try it out. Would you be supportive of it? Now, whether there, <laughs> I think it really depends. Um, the, the strategy to convince your supervisor can be very uh, personal and very subjective. It really depends on the person. I think it also depends on the field that you work in. For example, if you work in tech, doing an internship with an industrial, you know, with, with companies, it's very common. So it's not something that you would probably need to spend a lot of time trying to convince your supervisor about. It's very mm -hmm. common. It's actually quite recommended because in this way, the academic lab can actually get the contact for, you know, with the industrial partner. And that's often a very good thing to have, even, even if the project wouldn't go further. It's always nice to know people who work in the same field or similar field. For someone who perhaps does a little bit more like uh, lab-involved research, this could be a problem because mm -hmm. um, uh, I know that you guys do biology and biochemistry. And for, for, for all of us, if we have running experiments running in the lab, those need careful planning and thawing and freezing and you know manipulating cell lines or whatever you're working with that can actually take a few months. So it's not as easy to just think of an internship the night before and then in the morning apply for it because it really needs careful planning. And I think this is just like, um, just to come back to the, the to the first thing that I mentioned, it's really important that you communicate this with yeah. your supervisor. If there is someone perhaps a postdoc can take over, take, you know, look after yourselves while you're gone or something like that. So I would say communication is key here. Yeah, I think in some situations there might also be some struggles with grants and in our case we get paid by our supervisor so mm -hmm. that would then have to stop for three months maybe and then that would also require a conversation <laughs> indeed if that's a possibility. But it, I do think it um, would add a lot of things to the to the um, PhD experience especially for people who might not want to continue in the postdoc experience and so forth. Exactly. I, I agree. And also like the financial aspect is very difficult. Um, mm. sorry, difficult. The financial aspect is also very important to discuss because uh, your supervisor may be okay with you doing an internship, but as you just correctly mentioned, they may say, okay, while you do an internship, you have to find your own source of sources of funding because you're not going to be a part of the lab and the yeah. lab mm. will be willing to sponsor you. So that's also something to discuss. Um, I should probably say that just because you're doing an internship or just because you're applying for an internship in industry, it doesn't automatically mean that you're getting paid. And that's no, also something that you should keep in mind. There is a lot of companies that would pay you for your hard work, which is how it's supposed to be. But oftentimes it's not a rule of thumb. So yeah. also something to keep in mind, like how am I going to uh, survive? Who's going to pay rent? How am I going to buy food and things like that over those three months is also something to consider. Yeah. Yes. I actually have a question regarding, so you mentioned bringing up the conversation as early as possible with your supervisor. Um, did you know, for example, when you were applying for your PhD position with this consortium that you would have to do an internship or was that something that got brought up later that you would have to do this internship? Uh, we had, I was super lucky because we had the terms and conditions pretty much outlined uh, at the interview stage. So we knew that if we enter this uh, program, the, the part of it is to do rotations in the first year. 
The second uh, condition was to um, do like a little bit of a programming course, uh, even for people who didn't know how to program. And the third one was the internship. So we knew from the very mm. beginning. And also because the consortium or the program kind of, uh, you know, has an umbrella over this, uh, they kind of enforce it as well. So mm. if we got into a friction with our supervisors, I didn't, but I know that some people might. Uh, if we got into friction and the supervisor wouldn't be happy with us doing the internship, because it's a requirement of our PhD studies, um, there it would be a little bit easier to actually get the internship going. But uh, usually with consortia, it's very clear what they demand. Uh, it's also like they tell you three months, no more, because a little bit more time spent in an internship may um, jeopardize your time on the PhD, and it may actually take the very valuable time of you know yeah. of lab work or, or pretty much anything. So they're very clear in terms of the timing. But yes, they do tell you in, uh, in advance. They tell you ahead of time. Okay. Um, do you know of any personal anecdotes or from other people uh, or success stories of PhD students who have had internships that really helped them? I think, um, I'm not really sure about anecdotes, but I think there is a, a, a very clear, mm, how do I phrase myself? Okay. I think it really depends on how you measure success or like the successful stories. For some people, successful story means that they've uh, started an industrial collaboration and the uh, internship somehow indirectly feeds into their research because they acquired new skills or they became passionate about something that they didn't even know that they could be passionate about. So obviously that could be a success story in itself. For other people, they continue working in, um, uh, perhaps they apply for a full-time job after they are done with their PhD to continue with the same team because they had a fantastic experience. But this can be turned around as well. And I think uh, something to mention here is to just say that not every single internship is um, is a paradise. Sometimes mm -hmm. people have a bad experience, but at the end of the day, that can be a very good experience in itself. Because just because they experience what the real life actually is, maybe they have been offered or promised a project that never actually happened or didn't exist at the time that they did an, in, an internship. Maybe they had a very hard time interviewing, or maybe there were uh, promised to start an internship on a particular day, but that got delayed. Any sort of um, experience in this sort of in this sort of sense can actually be quite helpful because you kind of get a real sense of what real life is all about. And I guess even if your internship wasn't, you know, didn't result in a nature publication or anything like that, um, it's in three still... months that might be a bit much to ask for. <laughs> no, yes, <laughs> no, no. but a lot of people enter the internship with like a high expectation, like okay, I have to be super productive. I'm going to be working 25 hours a day just because I need to get something out of my uh, my internship. But it's just the experience that you're getting that's the most important thing. And even if it's not positive in all aspects, it's still experience. And that's something you can build on. And maybe you'll just learn about red flags that you weren't even aware that existed. And when you're looking for a full-time job, that's something that you can, um, you know, watch out for. Yes. Oh, clear. Yes. So do you think doing an internship during your PhD should become the norm for everyone? Um. I'm biased by my own experience, but I really do think so because, uh, you know, I discussed the result, the, the sorry, results. I discussed the reasons of why I think it's a very useful experience. And I think it can kind of push you to step out of your comfort zone and just experience something else. Mm. And just having this luxury on, of not having to think about your thesis for three months is um, it's really a luxury. It really is something that not every single PhD student has a luxury of trying. And I feel like um, because PhDs 
are so intense. And, you know, we all know from our personal experience that it takes evenings and it takes weekends and it takes the holidays that you spend thinking about how you can fix that problem that you were stuck in for a very long period of time. It, this gives you a luxury of just stepping out of your comfort zone, learning something new. And maybe and what often happens is that by the time that you finish your internship, you come back to the lab and all of a sudden you have all the solutions to the problem that you didn't know how to solve before. Mm-hmm. Um, this the, It doesn't have to happen uh, you know, during an internship. It doesn't necessarily mean that every single time you have a problem, you should apply for an internship and interrupt your thesis for three months. That's not what I'm trying to say. But sometimes just getting a different perspective and getting maybe an opinion of someone who's um, very senior and works in the problematics in a different sort of field or in a diff- different company in a different configuration can be quite helpful. So yeah. expanding your network, trying to think about problems from different angles can be very helpful for mm. the experience itself. So yeah, I think it, sh- it should become a norm. Mm. Um, is there anything you wish you had known before you did an internship? It's difficult to interview for them. <laughs> <laughs> it's very hard because especially if you do if you're not very good at if you don't have the practice of interviewing for positions like this it can be very overwhelming i remember that for the internship that i actually got towards the end i had to do like a you know four hour interview with like four different people and which was you know like interview back to back and they were asking me uh, you know questions and uh trying to come i was supposed to come up with solutions to different problems and like and it was very intense so i think just getting that experience can be very helpful um, because I did my uh, internship in a software company, I was obviously uh, required to have some good coding practices. I am not a coding. I'm not a coder. I'm not a software engineer uh, by, uh, you know, by, how do I say it? I'm not a software engineer. Um, as in, like I, I am a biologist by training, yeah. so mm-hmm. my coding is not the best. But um, I had to do a lot of lead coding and I had to make sure that when I explain my code to someone, it's not just uh, lettuce and it's not just layers of layers of nonsense uh, trying to make something work. So yeah, improving myself in that sort of technical aspect was also very challenging. And uh, finding the time to study for the interviews while I had my project running, that was also an issue, but um, Mm. it's a good skill to learn. (laughs) Okay. Do you know of any resources or support systems available for PhD students who are interested in pursuing an internship? Um, I don't think I have like a concrete website that just shortlists internships and internship opportunities. I would say uh, the very blatant answer would be just be on LinkedIn because mm. people post these sort of things. Like if you're a manager in a firm and you're looking for someone to join you for three months, LinkedIn is probably the place where you would post it. Uh, likewise, Twitter can be very helpful because people would usually, you know, communicate with people and they would spread the word if they have an opening uh, for an internship there. Um, but also, if you um, are, if you're just looking for any internship, I would say LinkedIn or Twitter would be a very good place to start. But if you're looking for an internship in a particular company that you've been in love with for a very long time, just reach out to the people. There's absolutely no shame in texting someone, emailing someone, you know, on Twitter or via email, just asking them, hey, I've been totally obsessed by whatever you're doing because it's super relevant for my thesis or I would like to try and learn something about this sort of field. Um, do you have an opening? And even if they don't have an opening at that particular moment, they, it might it may become available in the in in due time, and they may get in touch with you. So, I would say uh, don't be shy and reach out. <laughs> yes. Okay. okay. Well, thank you so much for talking with us today about this very interesting topic. Uh, we really loved having you on the podcast. 
If people might want to reach out to you or ask you questions or ask for tips, how can they best do so? Um, I think the best uh, way would be just to uh, find my social media links on uh, GitHub. GitHub is a place where I concentrate everything. I have a Linktree profile, but who goes to, to Linktree anymore? Uh, I, I'm on Twitter. I am on LinkedIn. So please do feel free to just drop me an email or just uh, text me on those um, social media. I'll be happy to respond. And uh, yeah, thank you very much for having me today. <laughs> yes. For listeners, if you have any questions, suggestions, comments, you can reach us via our website, thestrugglingscientist.com. You can also check out our website for some really cool science-inspired merch and sign up for the awesome Journal of the Struggling Scientist, aka our newsletter. If you have enjoyed this episode, then please leave us a rating on your favorite podcast listening platform as it really helps us uh, grow and with our metrics. Um, you can follow us on social media. Jaden, which one are those again? Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube. Yes. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you all again next time. Bye. 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 <laughs>